good morning. Welcome. I keep having to forget it's not morning for everybody. So <laughs> good day. Hello. Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock. I'm Reverend Cassandra Ray, and we're an inclusive learning center of practical spirituality. This is a place for your whole self. May you find refuge here. May you receive spiritual nourishment that uplifts and inspires you. And may we all join together in co-creating a vibrant, loving world that works for all. So as we begin our gathering today, I respectfully acknowledge that I live and work on the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish First Nations, including Kwikwetlem, Tsleil-Waututh, and Stalo Nations. So I want to wish everybody a special happy Mother's Day. We've got um, a blessing and an, an affirmative prayer treatment that, that I wrote yesterday. I don't normally write, um, you know, the invocation. I simply close my eyes and I go forth into that inspired place. And, and yesterday in my meditation, the invocation it poured out and so I just wrote it down and I typed it up for myself and and the funny way that um, spirit knows I'm finding myself feeling very tender today being apart from my daughter and so I just want to recognize everything that's that's in the room with us today and so I just invite you to take this in, knowing that this day means different things to different people, but the whole spectrum of human emotion is here with us at all times, and that each one of us might be at a different place on that spectrum. So may this be a space where you can feel whatever it is you feel in regards to motherhood, mothering and having a mom. So today we send love and blessings to those with good mother relationships, to those who have lost mothers, to those who never had a mother, to those with strained mother relationships, and to mothers with strained child relationships, to mothers who have lost children, to those who long to be mothers, to those who've chosen not to be mothers, to those who've missed their chance to be mothers and to those who are mothers, may you feel loved, honored, and supported in whatever form of mother you are, biological, foster, adoptive, spiritual. May your children call you blessed. 
And now I invite you to turn within knowing that divine love births us all. I recognize the one life that lives in, through, and as all life everywhere. I know that this one life is the absolute essence of all beings, all creatures, all life everywhere. And in this sacred moment, I know that this one life is unfolding as me and as each one present here now. It is from this place of oneness that I recognize the sacred life in each one of us, connecting all and creating a bond of community and care grounding in our divine humanity. I claim and affirm that this time together is an experience of love that inspires the mind and opens the heart, that soothes the soul, knowing <clears throat> that spirit is alive and well, Divine love heals any and all heartache or pain. Joy and peace now flow openly and fully. And oh, how grateful I am for the rise of divine truth that clears the way for a new experience grounded in oneness, connection, inclusion, compassion, and empathy. A new day is here and everyone is lifted up. With hope, faith, and love, I release this prayer into the very soul of the universe that always says yes. I too say yes, and I step into the perfect unfoldment of truth now, and so it is. Today, we welcome musician, singer, songwriter, and actor, Linda Kidder. She is justifiably one of Vancouver's most sought after session singers. Linda has three CDs of original material and was nominated and a winner of eight awards. And she's toured extensively through North America and Europe, sharing the stage with some very well-known big headliners. We are so blessed and I am so grateful and I invite you to join me in welcoming Linda Kidder. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, I'm doing an original song and I wrote it for my mom. I know that coffee shop. I know the area because I lived out there on Crescent Road in the big farmhouse right beside the golf course and I used to walk along the river and uh, I saw a couple of eagles one day floating in the sky and this uh, song started to come. I, I thought it was going to be about my father, but it turned, turned out it was about my mom. <laughs> ah. Thank you. 
you're still here taking care of me. I'm remembering a childhood friend we sat on our knees every night at bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. been powerful here this morning for those who are gathered live with us on zoom 
with our invocation and our meditation and the music and just really diving deep and opening the heart wide, wide open. And this is perfect because we are, we are sparking a revolution. And a revolution is a fundamental change in the way of thinking about or seeing something. And it's a, it's a change of paradigm. And what we are up to here at the Center for Spiritual Living White Rock is revolutionary. Because we see a loving, vibrant world that works for all. And so in our holy, holy uprising that we are engaging in this month of May as our theme for May, we are looking at our spiritual beliefs, our spiritual practices, we're looking at our faith, and we're asking ourselves, how does this faith, how can it change the world, not just my world, but the world? How can this faith change the world. And so we are reaching across faith communities and bringing in this book of the month, Mindful of Race by Ruth King, who tells us that we can transform racism from the inside out because it's a heart disease that's curable. That's curable. So we recognize that we're not in any old revolution, that we are in a revolution of the heart. And so Ruth King introduces and gives us mindfulness meditation as heart surgery. Mm. And today we're gonna bring in revolutionary love as medicine. So mindfulness helps us stay present with the discomfort of birthing a new reality. And evolutionary love is the balm that, that allows us to stay in the places that hurt. So when you give birth, there's a reason it's called labor. <laughs> oh. When I was 18, I gave birth to my daughter. And as any mom, especially a teen mom is, I was both, you know, excited and terrified. Pregnancy in general kind of takes over your whole body. And, and something that used to be yours is now taking on a life of its own. I mean, pregnancy, labor, birth, parenting, all of that are practices of showing up fully while also letting go fully. Man, is that a paradox. But here I was, 18, and I was almost two weeks overdue when I finally went into labor. And I could not wait to give birth. And yet, 
it was also like a daunting task of unknowns and, and pain. I didn't know if I could handle it, if I could get through it. But you know, this is the thing about giving birth. By that point, you don't actually have a choice, do you? <laughs> You're going through it. I was going through it. And my oldest sister, Nancy, ended up being my birthing coach. You know, that wasn't something we planned. It just kind of happened. She had this calm knowing about her that made me feel safe. Now, my daughter's father, as well as my own parents, were there when I gave birth to Karina. But it was really Nancy and I who were birthing this baby. She happened to be wearing a shirt, a pattern shirt, similar like to the one I have on, but, it, but hers was flowers. Um, she had all these little flowers all over her shirt. And so when a contraction would come, I would lose myself in the flowers of her shirt. Somehow having the flowers to focus on really helped me relax during contractions. And it was a life-changing new paradigm shaping revolution when I realized that I could relax my body during a contraction and the pain of it would lessen while the contraction remained, like full strength of the contraction, but less pain. You see, my impulse was to tense my entire body when a contraction hit. So the pain would start and I would do this, you squishing my shoulders up, you know, scrunching my face, clenching my fists. But when I would focus on the flowers, breathe and relax, the pain would lessen. I could feel the pain drain out of my body, even though the strength of the contraction did not change talk about a life lesson. Labor and delivery was a revolution for me. I could see that I had no control over the process. I didn't get to choose when I went into labor, how long I would be in labor, and how it would all unfold. But how I moved through the experience changed everything. And the people who helped me along the way thank you, sister, changed everything. While I was the only one giving birth to a baby, I wasn't doing it alone. I was held. So while being, while, while birthing a child was out of my control, being out of control doesn't mean you don't have power. This is such an important distinction. I learned this distinction from Dr. Ari Johnson. He's a medical doctor, professor, and co-founder and CEO of Muso Health. 
and while he's not a labor and delivery doctor, <laughs> um, he, he clarifies this distinction between control and power. And in an interview with Kate Bowler in her podcast, Everything Happens, he said that most of us vastly overestimate our own control of our own lives and that we also vastly underestimate our power. He said, we're terrified of how powerful we are, especially when it comes to our power in the lives of others, specifically our power to hurt others and our power to heal. He said, it takes a lot of courage to see our own power because once we embrace how powerful we are, then we are responsible and there's no letting ourselves off the hook. We have to take action. Owning my power means I'm responsible and must move into action. So seeing our power and taking action reminds me of what we practice here. We practice the science of mind. And this belief, this faith has always been a revolutionary shift in paradigm. In fact, the shift is so big, we don't even like to call ourselves a religion. We identify as a spiritual community because it's so different than what we think of as traditional religion. And one of the core messages of the science of mind and spirit is that you are more powerful than you think. There is one power in the universe and each of us have access to that power. You can change your experience, not by controlling it, but by how you think about it, how you believe, how you feel, how you act. So we aren't meant to suffer and we aren't broken. We are beautifully whole, even in our humanity, and we are intricately connected with one another. And our faith calls us into action. Ernest Holmes said, but faith without works is dead. We should not only pray, we should act, each contributing the best we have to the common purpose each willing to make any sacrifice necessary, not a sacrifice reluctantly made, but as one who offers all you have for two great purposes. One, in a sense, is a selfish one because we all desire self-preservation, but the other, in a greater sense, that there can be no individual self-preservation without the preservation of all. No individual preservation without the preservation of all. This is why we are extending our spiritual practices and beliefs beyond just ourself. This is why we're delving into mindful of race. And this is where revolutionary love can come in. And so I want to introduce you to Valerie Kaur. Now her last name is spelled K-A-U-R, Kaur. Valerie Kaur. Now, Valerie is a civil rights late leader, a lawyer, filmmaker, educator, author, speaker, 
She's a Sikh American, S-I-K-H, Sikh American, mother and woman warrior. And she believes that revolutionary love is the call of our times that helps us see that the darkness we might be experiencing now is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb. Whoa, right? Like, whoa, whoa, hold on here. That is quite an, a revolutionary shift, right? It's not the darkness of our death. It's the darkness of our birth, the darkness of the womb. And in her, her book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love, here's what she writes. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a form of sweet labor, fierce, bloody, imperfect, and life-giving. A choice we make over and over again. And if love is sweet labor, love can be taught, modeled, and practiced. This labor engages all of our emotions. Joy is the gift of love. Grief is the price of love. Anger protects that which is loved. And when we think we've reached our limit, wonder is the act that returns us to love. Oh, gives me chills. It gives me chills. She teaches us that revolutionary love is a threefold practice and a set of skills that anyone can learn, that you and I can learn. And they're based on her Sikh faith tradition, believing that God is conceived as the oneness that permeates the entirety of creation and beyond, that it abides in everyone and everything. So therefore, if God is alive in everyone and everything, then everyone and everything are equal. Does this sound familiar to you? <laughs> I mean, it sounds just like science of mind and spirit. Ernest Holmes wrote in our seminal text, A Science of Mind, he wrote, spirit is the absolute essence of all that is. We are one with the whole, and one with each other. Unity is the oneness of God and humanity. I can't even tell the difference between what is Sikh and what is science of mind, but they are the same. And here, Valerie Kaur teaching us about revolutionary love, she says it comes in three parts. So I want to introduce to you these three parts. These are three practices that you and I can, can, can do in our lives to bring revelationary love out of theory and into practice. So the first one is the same as the title of her book. It's called See No Stranger. See No Stranger. She says, you are a part of me that I do not know yet. That, that's, that's, that what that's what defines a stranger, a person that you don't know is a part of you that you don't know yet. 
And so in having love for strangers, this is the willingness to begin to wonder about their experience, about their stories, to listen and have empathy. And that also in the Sikh tradition, it also means, and this is her words, I will pick up a sword when you are in harm's way. Imagine that it's not you in harm's way, but a stranger, a part of you that you don't know yet is in stranger. And this is the willingness <clears throat> to stand up for that other person because they're in harm's way. That's, <coughs> excuse me, that is the practice of oneness. That is the lived experience of oneness when you're willing to pick up somebody else's fight to stand for their dignity, to stand for their safety, to stand for their identity, even when it's not yours. So standing up for the rights of others to labor on their behalf. So you can introduce this even into your everyday life. So when you are safely out in public with your mask on and socially distanced, <laughs> you can look at every person you see as a member of your family. What if that person you see is your grandparent, your cousin, your child, your sibling or parent? What if you thought of them in that way in your mind when you looked at them and you said, ah, oh, hi, auntie. Hi, grandparent. Hi, uncle. How might this change the way you move through the world or how you even interact with people in your neighborhood if they are a part of you you haven't met yet? And if they deserve the same amount of love and respect as someone that you care deeply about? So that's number one, see no stranger. Number two is what Valerie Kaur calls love for opponents. Love for opponents. Now this isn't language that we would generally use, right? We don't think of things in terms of opposition or opponents, right? So I want you to think about your opponents as anyone you see yourself as separate from anyone you exclude, anyone you see as against you or against what you stand for. And she asks us to, to see the ones who hurt us, not as monsters, but as people who themselves are wounded, who themselves feel threatened and who don't know what to do with their insecurity, but to hurt. So in our love for opponents, the call is to tend the wound. Tend to the wound. Be willing to see the wound in a person who is hurting or harming. Wonder about them. Wonder about that wound. What happened in this person that brought them to this place? Now, if tending to the wound of your opponent, of someone who's hurt you, is too much, 
then Valerie Kaur says you must wonder, listen, and respond to your own needs, which is the third aspect of revolutionary love. You must love yourself. So this is loving ourselves. Loving ourselves is what she says is when we breathe through the fire of pain and refuse to let it harden into hate. So it is to have compassion and empathy for ourselves while giving ourselves grace as we labor to birth a loving, vibrant world that works for all. And when you mess up, because you inevitably will mess up, it is the willingness to see that trying to control isn't the way. Control is trying to manage everybody's perception of you. Control is never making a mistake. Control is doing it perfectly. Control is getting it right. Control might be a little bit like perfectionism, but power is letting that which wants to be birthed through you to, to move you into the pain and discomfort because on the other side of it is the new paradigm. And this is when we draw upon mindfulness meditation. Ruth King in the Mindful of Race says, the practice of mindfulness meditation supports us in experiencing more mental ease and harmony. It does not help us get rid of racial ignorance or ill will, nor will it erase anger or despair. Rather, it offers a way for us to slow down and investigate our experience with care and wise attention. Slow down. Bear witness without distortion, elaboration, or judgment. Notice where you get stuck and hold yourself in compassion. Wonder about your own patterns. Wonder about your own habits of harm. Wonder about your conditioning and how you might relax into the contraction. You know, we think that change your thinking, change your life is easy and we don't have to look at our stuff. But I found one of the, one of my favorite Ernest, Ernest Holmes quote I found in writing this talk. And Ernest Holmes said, the first step toward healing is one of honest self-analysis. I'm just going to say it again. The first step toward healing is one of honest self-analysis. Why? Because we must consciously let go of the old to become the new. We cannot birth a new reality while holding on to what's always been, what's holding on to our comfort zone, what's holding on to our safetyness. I just want you to know that it is safe to let go and that you are more powerful than you think. And revolutionary love is here for you. And the question we all must ask this week is, are we here for it? Are we here for revolutionary love? Now, Valerie Kaur wrapped up her brilliant TED Talk, which I do hope you will Google and listen to, by saying, one day 
you will see my son as your own and protect him when I am not there. You will teach him how to love himself because you love yourself. May we all see her son, a brown, turbaned man that he will grow into, and may we protect him. May we all teach him to love himself because we love ourselves. And may we all be moved by revolutionary love to birth a loving, vibrant world that works for all for everyone, not just ourselves, not just each other, but for everyone. And so it is. Let's turn within for prayer, for affirmative prayer and just recognizing the one power, the one mind, the one life that is God, that is spirit, that is source. I recognize it as the powerful, beautiful essence of all life everywhere. It is in me. It is in every single person listening to my voice. It is in every person everywhere. This same measure of power, of love. And so what I claim and affirm is that this revolutionary love, that it moves each one of us into the right and perfect action. And by perfect, I don't mean easy or comfortable. I mean healing. I mean love. I mean connection and empathy and courage and wisdom. I mean this sweet labor of birthing a new reality. May each one of us know that this revolutionary love lives inside of our hearts and mind and that it moves us into the, the, the most beautiful, powerful action that creates a vibrant, loving world, not for later, but for right now. I recognize that this reality exists right here, right now, in this time, in this place. And I know that as each one of us opens to realize it, that it, it happens here. It happens now. It happens in this town, in this place, in this country, in this world. And I am so grateful to be moved by love, to be connected by love, to know that somewhere someone else has the courage to stand up for me as I have the courage to stand up for somebody else. And that this courage to stand up for one another, that it creates a felt experience of love that changes laws, that changes governments, that we together live in a world that is safe, that supports joy, that reflects our essential goodness. And oh, what a world that is when each one of us realizes our own individual and collective power, anything is possible. And so I am grateful for that infinite potential of revolutionary love to be here now. It is with this open mind and heart that I release this prayer right back into that very soul of the universe, knowing it is done. It is done in that one mind, and now I step into this new reality. I let it be, and so it is. And so it is.
Wow, thank you. So here at CSL White Rock, we're on a mission to awaken humanity to its spiritual magnificence. And if you're inspired by today's music or message, as well as our weekly and monthly programs, we greatly received your gift and tithe and offering. So, so what I'd like to say today is that you can donate at our website at www.cslwhiterock.com donate. You can mail us a check or send us an e-transfer. And please know that gifts of all sizes are helpful. Your contribution makes all of this possible. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So I'd like to ask you all to declare with me today our, affirm our prosperity affirmation. And that is divine love within blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. And so it is. <laughs>